What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Millennial Club, and it's your boy Coach checking in. Today, I have a special guest, Jamie. What's going on? What's up, y'all? Jamie, How are you? Jamie, it's a pleasure to have you on my show. I'm so sorry to have you come all the way from Stone Mountain. I know you could have met me halfway. <laughs> Dang. Today, what are we talking about, Jamie? Today, we're talking about politics and millennials. I know it's ugly, but we gotta we gotta talk about it. We gotta iron it out. We gotta translate some stuff. Um, we got to clear the air. So it's better to be informed about these things yeah. than to, you know, just not think about them. So that's why I'm here. I do agree. So, okay, Jamie, what are your open thoughts? So first, I want to say that these are my opinions, these, you know, questions that I'm getting ready to answer. Um, just to give you a little bit of background about myself, mm -hmm. I have an undergraduate um, degree from Kennesaw State in Black Studies and Health Promotions. And I have a master's from Clark Atlanta University in public policy or public administration, concentration in public policy. Okay, okay. And I'm currently in the doctoral program at Clark Atlanta University in the Department of Political Science. So, um, so like I said, these are points that, you know, I have read about, I have researched. I have to kind of keep my finger on the temperature of, like, everything that's going on just because of the department that I'm in. And this is something that I'm really interested in because I think it impacts us more than we think it does. Definitely. So... That's what I mean. Okay, so all right, um, first question. What do you think is the most important political issue at the moment? Right now, for me, I think it's this abortion ban. Oh, um, yeah. So it, I'm sure you all know there has been sweeping legislation in the South that says that abortion is illegal. Um, and most of these states have said that it is illegal under all circumstances. That means that if a woman is raped, she is required to have a baby, yes. If there is incest, she is required to have that baby. Um, if a woman miscarries, she will be investigated as if um, they're investigating a murder, and she could possibly be prosecuted for murder. Um, all of these sentences vary depending on what state you're in, but in 1973, I believe, was Roe versus Wade, which made abortion the woman's right to decide if she mm, wanted to have one or not. Okay. So what's going to happen is this... Hopefully, it'll go back to the Supreme Court um, and it'll be decided upon again because what these states are doing is um, it's a violation of human rights mm -hmm. for women to not be able to have the choice of what goes on in their uterus, first off, yeah, because yeah. health care is a human right. Um, and so this is particularly um, alarming because if Donald Trump is reelected in 2020, he has a possibility of putting another Supreme Court justice on the justice panel, so we have nine of them. Mm. Um, and so if he is elected again, he will be able to put another one on the stand, and so it will lean the Supreme Court far to the right, meaning that they have conservative views, meaning that there's a strong possibility that Roe v. Wade will be overturned no. and abortion will be illegal again in the United States. So we're hoping that it doesn't go that far. Um, this is why the 2020 election is really important, guys. Definitely, really important. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I think that's the most important issue right now. Okay, so um, is not voting a political statement? Woo! Okay. <laughs> because I, I like think, that energy you just had. <laughs> I think this is an important question because um, it's something that has been circulating for quite some time. Mm -hmm. There have been some celebrities that have been talking about not voting as a political sense. Let me just say that I believe that that is wrong. You mm. need to vote. If you read the history of 
the ways in which black people acquired their right to vote. Mm -hmm. John Lewis had his head smacked on the concrete. His skull was cracked for our black behinds to take our black selves to the voting polls. Um, Even if you don't want to run with that story of, um, you know, all the things that our ancestors have done for us to vote, the simple fact is a vote is a preference. So if you decide to alleviate yourself of the responsibility of having a preference, the outcome you can no longer complain about because you have relinquished that right. You have decided that I don't want to be a civic, a civil participant in this system that is governing my life. So yeah. it is not a political statement. It is not smart to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> People, oh, that kills me. They're like, I'm not going to vote. And then Nick Cannon and Angela Rye had a podcast and they were discussing that same kind of concept. So Nick Cannon is like, I don't think we should vote. We should just, you know, go off to the side and do our own thing. Angela Rye's like, well, we need to understand the system and make it work for us because exactly. currently we don't have a system to replace it as exactly. black people. So we need to find ways to participate and we need to find ways to always be at the table when these people are deciding what's going to happen to us. What do you say about people that say Donald Trump didn't win the popular vote? So who's to say that our votes matter? That is a, okay, I've heard this argument before. Um, So, again, conspiracy theories are things that we cannot prove. We have to deal with what's in front of us. And so if we want to see the Electoral College go away, which is what ultimately determines who the president is. So we have a popular vote, and then we have the Electoral College. The way the Electoral College votes is who determines who's going to be the president. If we want to see firm action behind eliminating the Electoral College, we have to start the conversation and mobilize around it. That's how all bills become laws. We have to raise awareness. So if we want to name, if we want to replace Ivan Allen Jr. Drive with Mm. Nipsey Hussle Boulevard, we have to start, (laughs) we have to start a conversation behind it and we have to mobilize behind it. So all of these issues have ways in which they will be brought to our representatives, but we have to decide what issues are important which kind of like, I would say, segue into like another point that I want to make, which is this idea that black people should all be on the same page. So we have this thing called the black agenda in which um, there's a lot of politicians that say that, you know, we need a cohesive um, understanding of what black people want. Black people are not monolithic. We do not like we do not exist in this one bubble. Every black person is not the same just like every white person is not the same. So why is it that we have to all get on the same page to request something that we want? We can have a consensus, but I think it's very unreasonable for us to say we all want the same thing because white people don't have to do it. Indian people don't have to do it. Asian people don't have to do it. So why do we have to do it? But I think that we do need to come to four, four things that we absolutely want. And I think we're clouded by just so much misinformation and so much information at the same time that we can't focus. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to put that point in there. So I definitely agree. Um, so how do you feel about this? How do you decide your vote? And do you listen to all the arguments and then decide? Okay, so when I'm thinking about who to vote for, I read about them first. So all of these things are public records. You can say... You can literally Google somebody's name and see how they voted on certain issues. Okay. It's public record. It's like on 
depending on like what the election is, is on the web. It's on the internet. You can Google Stacey Abrams um, vote on marijuana law because marijuana under an ounce is legal in the state of or in the city of Atlanta. You can see how she voted on that, just like with every other person that is in office right now. I think the first step is to go read about them. Um, If we're talking about presidential. candidates, we can Google them. We can see what Elizabeth Warren was talking about in 1980-whatever. Um, we can talk. We can see what Hillary Clinton was talking about when she was calling black people super predators. I do not want y'all to forget that. Um, so all that information is on the internet. You want to use sources that are like AJC, New York Times, um, but be careful because New York Times have opinion articles. It'll say opinion oh, yeah, in the corner. Yeah. Um, you can look at .gov websites, but a part of having life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is there's a responsibility that's associated with that. Mm-hmm. So we have to go out and be vigilant. We have to be we have to civically participate in this thing in order for it to work for us because ultimately governments work for us. Yeah. If we don't like something, we vote their ass out. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. So that's how it's supposed to work. But if we're lazy, because that's what it is most of the time, we're pre-consumed with other things, and I get it. You know, everybody, you know, trying to get their coin up. They trying to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. But most of the time, why people can't get their coin up is because of a policy that's in place that is prohibiting them from doing mm. that. So things like small business, um, tax brackets, um, Zoning ordinances, all these things that affect small businesses, they directly are connected to the people that we put in place to write policy for that. So if we don't like something that they're doing, we can be like, yo, what's what's up with this? Like, mm-hmm. we don't like this in our community. We're going to go to our representative and complain about it. If your representative does not do anything about it, you vote them out. They work for us, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't stress that enough. We just have to civically engage with them. Um, some of them are really cool. Like, you can go up to them and be like, you know, what's up? You know, chop it up with them. Send them an email. They have people that respond to emails so you can call a office like you can talk to them if you want to it's just about engaging with them um and we don't do enough of that and i like i said i get it we have various reasons why we don't but we have to we have to keep our ear to the ground because regardless if you are involved in it they're gonna make whatever policy they want to make because mm-hmm. the the premise is that well we don't have you know any constituents complaining about it so we're gonna keep doing what we're doing that's not how it's supposed to work we gotta if we don't like something we have to say that we don't like it exactly so i do agree so um a lot of times many people just focus on the presidential uh candidacy and it's frustrating because what truly affects us are the local um people in office mm-hmm. well, how, how do you feel about that What's your opinion on that? Oh, I'm just, I'm going to say one little comment and then I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Talk your shit. So, um, particularly in the city of Atlanta, because everyone looks at Atlanta as, you know, this black, you know, shining city mm-hmm. in the South. Yep. We have been black run since 1970-something with, I think, 73 with... Um, Maynard Jackson, right? He was the first black mayor of the city of Atlanta, and we have had black mayors ever since. Yeah. Currently, we got a mayor named Keisha, y'all. Never thought I'd see that. But we got a mayor named Keisha. That's great. And that's gravy. I'm so happy that we have a black woman mayor. But black people tend to assume that when other black people are in office, we have a moral, they have a moral responsibility to look out for people that look like them. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, tell me if in the city of Atlanta, 
if you have a black mayor named Keisha, that 25% of the residents in the city of Atlanta, why is it that they live below the poverty line? Mm. And have been for some time. Um, the poverty in Atlanta is growing, in the city of Atlanta, is growing rapidly. We have hyper gentrification in areas that are traditionally black. Mm. There are um, tax breaks that these black people could have gotten if they would have stayed in their house, but it's not communicated to them effectively. Okay. So if we are solely voting for people that look like us, we have to hold them accountable for the things that they promise us. So I don't know if you all recall if or when Keisha Lance Bottoms was running against Mary Norwood. She had people like T.I., Killer Mike endorsing her. Okay. I think that's pandering, and I think it is insulting to people that um, that actually know what's going on. It's like, look at this, you know, really hot star they're endorsing me so you got to endorse me yeah. it's i don't i don't think that that's um i don't think it's fair and i don't think that that's somebody that has our best interests at heart to begin with again these are my own opinions but there's so there's a lot of statistics that that there's studies there's statistics that have been talking about the hyper um the hyper poverty that is in the city of atlanta yeah. that is being coupled with hyper gentrification the people that are so the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is right near my school okay. and it is rapidly gentrifying that area mm-hmm. and I'm almost positive that Arthur Blank and his folks are like licking their chops at the AUC like we want this land it is up to us for us to rally around the AUC because I'm scared that a few years from now it won't be there wow and that and just think about the legacy that is there all the things that's where the civil rights movement started like yeah. that's the heart of it right there so for that to be taken away from us it will be our own fault honestly yeah. Yeah. um so i think that local politics definitely impacts us more than national nationally or state does um, because like i said it governs the it governs the rent prices in the city of atlanta yeah. so if you want to know why you can't live in the city of atlanta but you work there mm-hmm. that is a political issue that is linked to what businesses are in the city of atlanta what businesses are allowed to be in the city of atlanta what um what kind of industry is in the city of Atlanta? So all of those things can be dictated by us, but we have to be involved and we have to be vigilant with that. Okay. Um. So yeah. So I'm happy you shed. I'm happy you, you was able to shed light on that. Um. A lot of people are not aware of that, but what I do want to say is, do you feel like there's agenda? Like, do you feel like there are entities that kind of roadblock these um black politicians that do want to do something? Oh, definitely. That do want to make a difference, and but. There's always something that's stopping them. You know you what I mean? Can, you can Google, uh, get out your phones, y'all. You're on it right now. <laughs> Type in the Atlanta way in Google, and it talks about this extensive plan of Atlanta being this global city. This is this was back in, 19, in the 70s and 80s. So there definitely has been a plan to make Atlanta what it is now. It is not, however, inclusive of the people that were already there. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about black politicians and people that um, are in office that look like us that should be doing things that benefit us this plan was not inclusive of them they're they're um, simply figureheads yes. we have to hold these people accountable and that's and they're banking on us not holding them accountable that's why they're able to get away with the things that they're getting away with so yes Atlanta is black on its face but the project that Keisha Lansbottoms is um, really working diligently on doing, which is called the Gulch, and they just renamed it, 
Um, it's it's hyper gentrifying. Um, it's around like Atlantic Station. Um, it's hyper gentrifying that area again. It's going to be very hard for millennials like us because you know we like to be in the city. We exactly. like to you know be <laughs> down the street from you know Peter Street and all these other things. It's not letting these people are not letting us live in these spaces where we have created culture. We have well, created. Yeah. We have made that little space like trendy. You know, with all the things that we do there. They want to capitalize on that, but they want to move us out. Wow. of that area so rent prices in midtown rent prices in off um you know east ponce all these places where we spend a lot of our time we can't afford to live there because of the people that have been developing there and these people that our our representatives have allowed for them to you know build business there so all those things are local if you don't want another liquor store in your neighborhood, if you want a yoga studio there, <laughs> that is something that you bring to your representative. I mean, people like yoga, you know, millennials, we exactly, like to stretch it out, exactly. you know, we like to work out. <laughs> but we don't get those things in our neighborhood or it's in a neighbor or they're in neighborhoods that are very far away from us. Okay. So if we want those things in our neighborhood, we have to be very vigilant and tell them, you know, we want these things. We don't want another gas station. Yeah. We yeah. don't want a Dollar Tree. Mm-hmm. We don't want a, a liquor store. We want a yoga studio. We want a small grocery store. We want, you know, whatever it is you want. You should be able to articulate that. So um, let me stop you and just say, what can we do to play our part there? Because a lot of people are just like, yo, where do we start? How do we even go about doing that by voicing our opinions? If you have a concern with something that's going on in your neighborhood, your first step is to get that cute little iPhone out (laughs) and figure out who your representative is for your district. Then you can simply email them. Wow. You can go on Google. So say, who is my representative for District 5? If you don't know your district, you can Google, how do I find my district? Like, literally everything is on the Internet. So if you live in the city of Atlanta and you don't know who your district rep is, who is a district rep for area code Da, 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 da. It'll pop up. It'll have their office information. It'll have their email address. Send them an email. Once you send them an email and they don't respond, call their office. Mm. You can go up there and be like, I need to speak with so-and-so about this issue. So the first step is, like, they want to hear from people. They want to know, like, what, especially on the the extreme local level, so these district reps, they want to know. But we have to go to them. It's a a responsibility that we have. It's accountability. Like, it's a two-way kind of situation. So that's what we do. You can Google everything, y'all. Everything exactly. We in a technology age. Everybody scrolling Instagram. You can just you know open another little tab over there and be like, I don't like that this light is like this. I don't have no street lights in my neighborhood. Who is my district rep? Who do I? Who is my district rep? You can ask them. Who do you need to talk to about your street lights? Boom. Simple as that. Yes, which is very important. Yes. So okay, so how do you feel about? people saying that if you don't vote, you don't have the right to complain about our government. What do you think? I think that is a valid statement. <laughs> um, because, I don't know if this is going to sound elitist. I don't know. I don't know. This is my opinion again. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the historical, um, I guess, importance of black people voting and you do not take advantage of that, whatever happens to your life after that or whatever happens to you in your neighborhoods after that, I feel like you cannot say anything about it because you didn't even put in your preference. You didn't even say, you know, okay, everybody, we want yellow um, lines (laughs) on this house, but you really want blue lines. 
And so if everybody vote for the yellow lines and you was like, mm, well, I wanted blue lines, but I'm not going to go vote. Okay, well, then how am I supposed to know you want blue lines if yeah. you didn't say nothing? Yes. They're not my readers. That's so real. you take the time. You get off work. It's like it's they're supposed to like it's federally required for you to get off work to vote. Go stand in the line and vote. You know, you might make a friend. You know, y'all can chop it yeah. up. Y'all can go get some chicken wings afterwards. And y'all can vote, and then you move on. But you cannot not participate. It is At this point, it is literally our life depends on us participating and yes. voting. You know what's crazy? A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that it is federally required. Yes. This abortion ban is a direct result of people not coming out to vote mm. for their local elections. You can also Google when the local <laughs> elections are. Yeah, I heard the emphasis on that. People with phones <laughs> and computers in their pockets. Yeah, so I'm happy you said that. Um, voter turnout is generally low. How could more people be persuaded to vote? Look, I don't think that we should be entertained to vote. I don't think that they should be pulling out Beyonce and Jay-Z and Killer Mike and T.I. <laughs> and Nipsey Hussle. I love him. Rest his soul. I love yeah. all these people. I'm so happy that they have reached, you know, this milestone. And I'm so happy that they have inspired all these people. Mm-hmm. But you should not have to be entertained all the time to do something. Okay. Grow up. Yeah. So, yeah. just go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Go. Okay. Um, in general, what is your opinion of the politicians in this country? Um, I think we have some really good politicians. Yeah. I think we have some progressive ones. Um, with this age, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I know everything about everybody because I don't. Where they at though? Um, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. Um, but I think that we have some really progressive politicians like AOC. Um, and a few other Congress people. A lot, a lot of the women that are in Congress right now are really progressive. Um, but I think, again, like it's it's very difficult to decipher what information is true and what information is not. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we understand that these are people, mm-hmm. um, and these people um, are not perfect. Now, wait, let me let me retract that statement. If we have politicians that are in office that have in the past stated or done very racist things, they do not get a pass. I do not think that their mindset has changed that much mm-hmm. from from the time that they were younger until now. I just don't believe that. Um, I think that we need to hold these people accountable for the decisions that they have made yes. and for the things that they have let um, come out. And this may, you know, bite me in the behind this podcast, may bite me in the behind later someday, but I don't know. Um, but I think that it's important that we understand that they're human, mm-hmm. um, and so they may have made mistakes. And it's very important to kind of read through how media spins things because media have a large um, impact on how people intake information. Yes, yes. It can be the switch of one word. It can be the format of one sentence that mm-hmm. changes your whole perspective on a person. I think we just have to, we have to, just read and like. I don't. I don't even know like how to best how the best to tell people what to do but you need to read about these people a lot of folks and don't want to read I know if you smack people over the head with a book they wouldn't want to read it <laughs> like read this book for $5,000 don't even want to read it um, mm. we gotta read y'all like or listen to podcasts yeah. like I'm a big yeah. advocate for when I'm riding in the car I find a podcast that I think looks interesting and then I put it on. And most of the time it's something political but it keeps you abreast of what's going on mm. you can listen to NPR you can national public radio folks. Um, yeah. You can listen to all these different things when you're in the car. 
um, and it'll keep you, you know, up to date on what's going on. I think it's also important as much as it's painful sometimes to listen to another perspective of what's going on. So if you are always listening to MSNBC or CNN, you may mm-hmm. have a you you think you may have an understanding of what's going on, but sometimes you got to tap into Fox, even though they they don't have the best um, right reviews all the time. But it's important <laughs> to um, to be able to listen to both because that's how you become better, and then you can decide. Okay, well, I'm gonna believe this because they have this source and this source and this okay. source, okay. and I'm not gonna believe that. But you're still aware of what other people are talking about. That's what makes a good informed decision. Okay, all right, so. Why are millennials so connected but apathetic toward politics? I think it's because our school and education system hasn't um, emphasized Mm. how politics directly impacts the individual. So when I was in ninth grade, I had a civics class, and that's where I learned, like, basic government, like, procedures and, like, what happens in the government, how a bill becomes a law. Mm. After ninth grade, I never saw anybody take that class again. I don't know if they took that out of schools. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, My passion for politics and, like, understanding what's going on came from my father. Um, He was um, in the... In the Navy, he was, um, he was during the Vietnam War, so he was a Navy SEAL. Um, So he was, if y'all know anything about the Vietnam War, people, men, were drafted. They were required to go to Vietnam to fight in a war Mm -hmm. um, that most of them knew nothing about. Um, So after my dad came home from from that, thankfully, um, his understanding of American government and American politics drastically changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so his... His just like historical accounts of things that have happened to him. Um, my dad's almost 70, so he's seen a lot, you know, during his time. So he, I'm able to have these conversations with him. I'm able to put the historical context to what's going on now, which, which is how I got the passion that I have for politics now. So I can have a cup of coffee with my dad in the morning. We could chop it up over MSNBC. That's how I get my, like, perspective on a lot of things. Okay. But everybody doesn't have that. I think that. Where where millennials got messed up is them taking that civics class out of school. Yeah. Um, and the teachers connecting the dots on why is this important to me now? And mm-hmm. then additionally, our parents not understanding that all the way. So I think that's why we're turned off from it. And also, people tend to use, like, big words when they're talking about politics. Yeah. And they talk, like, I got to go run and get a dictionary every time this person's talking. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I think people are turned off from it. Um you want to be as clear and concise as possible um, because you want to transcend audiences like Nipsey, right? Okay, right. so, <laughs> so yeah. Okay, so um, now that you, you know, elaborated on that, what is the mindset that millennials need to have going into 2020 because the presidential campaign is right around the corner? It'll be here um, before we know it. So what do we have to keep in mind? Well, how do we have to prepare ourselves to really take this um, second term that can possibly happen mm-hmm. serious? Mm-hmm. So, for I'll, I'll answer this like my own personal, um, what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what candidate discusses issues that are important to me and how often they discuss them. Mm-hmm. So, for me, student loan debt, and I'm sure it's <laughs> taking all our asses out. Yeah. I know it is. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with an older person, and they were like, millennials aren't buying houses. Millennials aren't buying jewelry. Millennials aren't buying art. Girl, 
do you know we have $500 student loan payments every month? Yeah. That prohibits us from buying things like houses. So what, on a national level, is this particular presidential candidate going to do about student loan debt? Yeah. I'm not saying eliminate. I mean, that would be great, but I don't think right. it's realistic. <laughs> um, eliminate student loan debt. I don't, I don't really know what the formula would be, but it needs to be something that they're actively working on because this student loan debt situation is also tapping into senior citizens. There are people who are getting Social Security checks that are paying their student loan debt with their Social Security checks. Oh, wow. So that is a fixed income. Social Security is a fixed income, and they are now paying back into the system on student loan debt. That system is not sustainable. It is very dangerous. Mm. So I'm looking for student loan debt. I'm looking for climate change policy because that's where my research centers around. I'm looking for the ways in which um, this presidential candidate is dealing with other um, other countries, like how is their diplomatic um, relations? What are some of their stances on foreign policy, particularly about um, the continent of Africa? These are things that I'm looking for. But I think on a very um, s- small level, okay. we need to be concerned about student loan debt because mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that all millennials are gonna feel it very very yes. very 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 yeah. soon if they're not feeling it now so that answer that wow that's crazy <laughs> that just blew me away that's why I had to, to get that brief pause in because yeah we gonna we, I, I truly feel like um, the direction that we're headed in I feel like I don't see us really taking this shit serious be- yeah you know what I mean? Like, we ha- we don't have anything set in place to really, like, attack this shit, mm-hmm. to kind of counter, reverse everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, all right, with that being said, what are some serious issues that we're not aware of that is going to affect us or possibly affecting us now? So, I'm glad you asked this because this is, like, about my research that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm interested in, again, climate climate change. It is very real. Um Climate change essentially suggests that the earth is heating up and Mm -hmm. it is causing crazy weather to happen. And in turn, it is changing the makeup of of the earth. So we can sit here and talk about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. We can talk about cyber security. We can talk about all that. If we don't have a planet to live on, all of these things are (laughs) irrelevant. We can sit here and talk about student loans. All those things are relevant if we don't have a planet to live on. So there have been studies since... The first, um, I guess, recording of climate change was in, like, 1876. And since then, there have been scientists that have dedicated their whole careers to documenting the ways in which burning carbon or um, fossil fuels emissions are changing the makeup of our country. I mean, of of our Earth, sorry. And so with that, there are consequences. One of them is lack of access to fresh water. Mm. So if we don't have fresh water, I want y'all to think about this. So basic basic human needs, food, food, clean air, clean water, shelter, these are basic. If we don't have clean water, there's no planning. There's no human life, right? But to take it a step further, um, lack of access to fresh water also prohibits us from growing food. Um, wow. And it also ultimately ends up... Um, you know, preventing people to be healthy. So I'm interested in particularly black women um, or women of color and how lack of access to fresh water and food um, disproportionately affects women of color and what it does to their health. It can prohibit a woman from having babies. Wow. It can prohibit, you know, women from living healthy lives. Now, if you understand women, you know, we give life. So if there's no woman, we don't have life, Thanks. period. Um, so this is an issue that I think needs more attention. 
Um, I want people to stop saying that because we're drinking out of straws, the the environment is suffering. That's partially true, um, but we have to also attack these big corporations that are dumping millions of tons of pollution and just whatever they want into big bodies of water. They're polluting our air. And people of color disproportionately live close to these plants, wow. which caught, which is um, environmental uh, justice. I'm circling, circling around environmental justice. Um, there's a place, um, it's about 80 miles up the, uh, I think it's like up the Gulf of Mississippi, and it's called Cancer Alley. So all, so 80 miles, an 80 mile stretch, there are communities of color that are disproportionately exposed to cancerous um, mm. ca- carcinogens. So things that are released in the air that cause, they know causes cancer. They are fully aware that the things that they are releasing into the, the water, into the air, is causing cancer. This is a conversation that black people need to be a part of because it is directly affecting us. And there's different places all around this country where these things are happening. This conversation needs to be had more often. We need to be at the table when they are doing these policies because, again, we are being impacted by it the most. Um, That's my little spiel on that. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, okay, so... What are some random thoughts that you you want to just put out there for my listeners to be able to um, research and to be able to pay attention to for the next election, for the next <clears throat> couple of years, just whatever? To um, I want people to follow this abortion ban very closely mm-hmm. because what I'm scared of is that, again, I'll circle back to healthcare is a form of human right. Mm-hmm. So that means that the United States government is infringing upon our human right for us to have access to health care by banning abortions. Mm. Um, so that can easily turn into other things that infringe on our human right. They can decide that we don't have the right to grow our own food and urban gardens could be considered against the law. So it's very, um, I don't even want to say it's trivial, but I want people to like follow these things because they very quickly turn into other things. Yeah. If we yeah, don't pay attention yeah. to them. And we look up and this thing like this abortion ban is passed. And I also want you all to understand that no bill really dies. So if there has been a bill or some kind of language that has been introduced into legislation before it becomes law, things are language or a policy is drafted and it has to go from the house to the senate and then signed by the president or the, or the um the governor in order for it to be considered a law no bill that is like shut down from the house side or shut down from the senate side it never really dies it can mm-hmm. be attached onto something else in the weirdest ways possible so we have to really check the temperatures of these representatives on like how they vote on things because I'm trying to like make this as simple as possible. <laughs> um, I don't even know like how to make it simple. We have to pay attention. Like this abortion ban has been circling for for quite some time. This conversation is not new. This conversation they have been trying to um, reverse abortion ban since it passed in 1973 with, with Roe v. Wade. Um, and this administration. Um, with the help of local politics, has been able to continue this conversation and ultimately get something that they want, which which is to abandon abortions, particularly in the South. Um, 
So, like, I don't even know, like, how to make it easy for people because it's not easy. Mm. Um, but that's why, like, on my Instagram, y'all, follow me at underscore P-A-T-R zero N-A. That's Patrona. Um, I post a lot of things <laughs> a lot of things on my Instagram story because I want people to read the stuff that, you know, I post. And I don't want you to parrot the things that I say. I want you all to read it and I want you to interpret it how you think you know how based on your experiences and based on what you know I want you to read it and I want you you know to translate it yourself and that's how you become good at these things but you have to do the work yourself I know it's extra y'all but literally our life depends on it like I don't know how else to make that easy for people because it's not I know it's real hard y'all I know I talk to people they're like I don't want to do that it's so hard I just want to like mindlessly float through the world yeah. that's unrealistic and honestly if you do that I'm scared for you if yeah. you feel like you can mindlessly you know float through the world and everything yeah. is going to be fine I am scared for you yeah. because then you give opportunity for other people to decide how you live your life and yeah. that's no no way shape or form any yeah. kind of freedom yeah. so it is your civic duty it is your charge to be somewhat knowledgeable of what's going on. Yeah. You can talk to people. You can have these conversations with your friends. I feel like if you don't, if you're not having these conversations with your friends about politics, because again, ultimately it it impacts you sooner than you yes. think it will. Yes. It'll impact all of us. It can change us from sitting outside, you know, having mimosas on Saturday <laughs> to us not being able to have liquor at all on the weekends because we didn't pay attention, you know, to what's going on. I know that's really far, but it's not like that's like how extreme it could be. Exactly. Like they could say, you know, in the city of Atlanta, we don't want to have alcohol for on the weekends. Like and then everybody like, well, what happened? OK, well, y'all weren't paying attention to what's going on. Right? Y'all weren't having these conversations. <laughs> and I know some of this stuff is like really trivial again, but I'm trying to like make it like more personalized. So the things that we do on a regular basis, like having brunch. Right. We like we enjoy these <laughs> things, right? Right. So we should be able to control, you know, what's going on. Okay. If we don't pay attention, they can take it from us. All right, so I want to play a game and before I play this game, okay. I think I want to go back to the abortion law that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The important question, and I know you don't know, mm-hmm. but you probably have a knowledge of um why? Why is it that they're mm. so pressed to put this law <clears throat> into effect. So, okay, wait, let me back up. So the abortion ban will not be, um, in, the, in the state of Georgia at least, will not be official until January 2020. So that doesn't pass or it won't be in effect until January 2020. So I read um, this, uh, this study. It was just talking about statistics on what the population of the United States would look like in 2015. Mm -hmm. So these people from Brookings Institute, from Pew Research Institute, all these think tanks, um, they collect all this data and they make assumptions. Most of them are based off statistics. Um, Some of them are based off theory. But um, these people in these think tanks said that the majority of the United States will not be white anymore Mm -hmm. in 2050. Mm -hmm. White, I'm talking pure white, white, blonde hair, blue eyes, or like brown hair, whatever you think about a white person, it will not look like that. Okay. Most of the United States will look like mixed people or people of color or brown or however you want to you know, identify yourself. They will not look white. This is problematic in a country that was founded upon white supremacy mm. because then you are no longer the majority. There was a book that was written in 1983. It's called Birth Dearth. 
I don't know who the author is. It's extremely hard to get like a hold of this physical book. I think it's like five hundred dollars, yeah. and it's like two hundred fifty pages. Mm-hmm. But it just talks about this. Um, he's a sociologist. Um, he is extremely conservative, and he says three things that the United States needs to do in order to secure white supremacy moving forward. And one of them is to prevent white women from having abortions. Wow. 60% of the abortions that happen in the United States are for white women. Mm. So if you are trying to secure, um, you know, your dominance in a place, you will require people to have kids. I think it is a woman's right (laughs) to be able to have access to her uterus. Exactly. If you are going to require people to have, or require people to have kids, you need wraparound services for that. And of that, these wraparound services will be paid by taxes, right? So, but if you're not taxing the rich, if you're giving them consistent tax breaks, who is paying for these social welfare programs? The poor people that you are taxing the hell out of, mm. that's not sustainable. So something has to give, like this system is not sustainable. Um, I'm very scared for all of the kids that are going to be born. And I've heard a lot of very ignorant things about when kids are born. Like, you should make people, you should make women have babies because they can just give them the foster care. Um, Women should do da-da-da-da. If you do not have a vagina, if you are not capable of producing a child, (laughs) I do not think that you should tell anybody what to do with their uterus, period. Um... And we can go into all the scenarios that could happen when you require people or when you require a woman to have a baby. Um, and so I think that's what I that's what I think it is. I think it is the threat of there no longer being a white majority in this country, which is fundamentally, you know, crazy to them because that's what the the country was founded on, white yeah. supremacy. Yeah, and I do a lot. It's baffling just to hear that. And it's I mean? also rooted in religion, but that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah. That, I wanted to talk about that when we ain't going <laughs> to... We're going to fuck around be here all day. Right, right. We're going to be here all day talking right. about that. But, um, all right, so I want to play a game. Okay. I'm going to throw out a word or a name, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Is that okay? You up for that? Mm-hmm. All right, so on first on the list, Barack Obama. My homie. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, my homie. Oh, Mich- you said one word. Michelle Obama. I, I was about to cuss, but I can't. I don't cuss. <laughs> that's bad. Um, she is boss lady. Like, that's that's the boss. The truest boss. The truest <laughs> boss. <laughs> okay, so now the Republican Party. Consistent. Okay. Very consistent. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. Democratic Party. All over the place, very confusing. Um, very confusing, yes. Okay, the White House. It's white. <laughs> <laughs> it's white. It's white. That yeah. was the most profound answer. It's white, yes. yes. Okay, so, okay, sorry. Let's get back. Sorry, y'all. I, I had lost it for a minute. Y'all. I lost my composure, y'all. Sorry about that. All right. Okay. <clears throat> All right, sorry, y'all. Donald Trump. A Cheeto. I can't. You know what? That's fair. (laughs) Shout out to Donald Trump. Shout out to Donald Trump, man. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, Hillary Clinton. A super predator. Oof. Mm. Okay. Mm. Bill Clinton. A wannabe. Mm. Mike Pence. Ooh. Just, 
I don't even want to say irrelevant, but just disgusting. Yeah. We'll go with disgusting. Okay, that's fair. I've heard worse. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Ooh, give it up, sir. Give it up. Give it up. Okay. Okay. Give it up. You ready for this next one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let me all right, let me bring it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Politics. A lot. Um, clouded. Mm. Um, jaded. Um, like in order to understand politics, you have to seek the truth. Okay. I know that was like more than one word, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You had to, ex- you had to expound. Yeah. Okay, so for my last one, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I um the black community. I love y'all so much. I love the black community so much. I think we are resilient. I think we are beautiful. I think we have so much further to go. I will not give up on the black community because I love us so much like I'm black so I, I, I love every, I love all black people yeah. y'all be getting on my nerves though sometimes <laughs> but I would never trade being black for anything yeah so with that I love the black community okay so matter of fact that's not gonna be my last one I okay because you, you answered that so well that's not gonna be my last one I got okay. a few more for you okay um millennials hmm <laughs> Yeah. I'm a millennial, so I can't go too hard. Um, go hard. Don't have no filter. Just come the first thing that comes to mind. Lack of passion. Yeah. I attribute that to um, lack of experience, lack of a diversified experience. Um, I think sometimes we're very pessimistic, and it works our disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But in that same light, I think we're very creative because we have managed to eliminate something like 12 industries just because we don't like what they're doing, so we make our own thing. Mm -hmm. I think with that is creativeness and resiliency. Um, I think sometimes we're misguided and very hard-headed, because I know I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't know everything right now, and that's okay. But we need to listen sometimes. Yeah, We need to listen. I do agree, Mm -hmm. and that was well said. Go ahead and plug that Instagram in. Instagram is at underscore P-A-T-R-0-N-A. That's Patrona. I know that's right. Jamie, I'm so happy to have you on my show. <laughs> it has been a privilege. I've learned so much. i got to have you back on my show now. Yes. The most value question I like to ask at the end of the show, when can I get you back on my show? Um, When 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 I'm invited. Like, okay. I love talking about this. I study <laughs> it. You know, I'm off for the summer. Well, no, I actually go to Morocco. Oh um, July 1st through August 1st to study. I'm studying water security. Um, Congrats. Shout out to Agadir, Morocco. Um, wow. So anytime before that or after that, wow. I would love to Shout out that. to you. Yeah. That's big. I hope you enjoy yourself out thank there. You, thank you. And um, what I was going to say. Damn, what I was going to say. Don't you have a podcast coming out? I do. So it's still working, y'all. It's still working. It's going to be called Loud Talking. But the idea behind it is that um, traditionally, black people talk about politics in like closed spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, hush hush between you and I. But now we have a platform where we can, you know, express our political ideas. We can express our political stances and there not be a consequence associated with it. So 
that's the idea behind that. Y'all look out for that. Ooh, hopefully by the end of the month. We're waiting um, on it. We're waiting <laughs> on it. I'm partnering with, um, a, I guess, a colleague from Georgia State. He's in the political science program at Georgia State. So um, y'all look out for that, and I'm excited. I can't. Oh, my God. You yeah. know what? And if you need me, I'm here. Definitely. I'll be with you every step of the way. I feel like it's important for all of us to come together to be able to, you know, what they say, uh, each one, teach one. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. I know that's yeah. right. So what I want to say is, okay, for our closing thoughts, mm-hmm. we've gotten we got Instagrams out, gotten our final thoughts out. Um, I want you to just have a, a, what's your closing thought? What, what's something that you could leave my audience with? Mm. If they wasn't able, if they weren't able to take anything from what they've heard on this podcast, on this specific episode, what's something that you want to leave them with? I think that um, I want people to really start thinking about their passion because life is very short. Um, I want you all to, once you have developed what your passion is, I want you to dial in on it and dedicate a serious amount of time to just putting in work behind your passion, whatever that may be. If it's dance, if it's music, if it's cooking, if it's whatever it is. If you are really passionate about it, you need to master your craft because then mm. nobody can tell you anything Amen. about you. I know so, that's right. And that's how you really know that something is your passion is how much time you're putting into it. So I, in a world full of, I'm not about to knock nobody, Lord, don't take my head off. <laughs> in a world full of, you know, Instagram models and <clears throat> party promoters, yeah. I want y'all to dig a little bit deeper and yeah. find something that is going to be impactful to yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the world. <laughs> find something where when if something happens to you, you can leave this mark on the world, like mm. Nipsey. So, real, real shame. I love Nip, y'all. Nip got me through my whole master's program. Like, I love Nip. Nip. Yeah. How long you been a fan of Nip? Since I would say like 2015. So right, right after I graduated from Kennesaw State, um, someone introduced me to his music, and I was like, damn, like, wow. who is this? And then Victory Lab came out mm-hmm. like right around the time I was writing uh, my exit paper for me to wow. graduate. So I would put Nip on and like, you know, just like kind of focus in on what it is that I want to accomplish. But what I really like about Nip, and I think people take this for granted, is his idea behind the marathon continues. So if you, um, you know, tap the hashtag TMC or the marathon continues, everybody's narrative around what their marathon is is different. Mm. So to me, that signals that everyone has a different idea of freedom. So something that their marathon is something that they're working towards. So my marathon is getting this doctoral degree. Somebody else's marathon may be, you know, owning their own business. Somebody else's marathon may be just getting up in the morning every day. So I think what Nip did was like, you know, charge people with, again, finding their passion and sticking to it and making sure that, you know, marathon keeps going so that's what i really appreciate about nip and i charge all of y'all to do the same thing find something that you love and do it see it's crazy that um you say that because i'm a big fan of nip and i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed because i was supposed to dedicate an episode to him Mm -hmm. because of how much of an influence he played in my Mm -hmm. um what i want to say my early 20s Mm -hmm. um around that time i was in a low point you know what i mean i was in a crazy space uh mentally uh, financially, but Nip, it's crazy that it's crazy how music works and how much of a uh, impact it has on mm-hmm. certain um, what I want to say, certain people's lives. And mm-hmm. Nip's music guided me through so much, 
And I was just like, when he passed, I was just trying to take it all in. Yeah, that was, was so surreal. It I was, still like don't really all the way believe it. Like he's gonna pop and be like, "What's up, y'all?" Right? Like, I, it's really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to believe that Nip is in Cuba right, right now with right, Pop. Right, right. <laughs> that was yeah. I, I, it's just so unfortunate that we lost such a uh, important individual, mm-hmm. and not only to the black community, but. Mm-hmm to many others, the Hispanic community. He was a voice for those that were, um, what I want to say, that were um, on the other end of Donald Trump's mm-hmm. um, campaign. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy, man. Shout out to Nip. I'm definitely going to put something together that's special to um, to him, his wife, his kids. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's crazy. It's just, it's just touchy for me because... I feel like I gotta just do right by him. I want to make sure that the episode is right. Yeah. I don't want to half ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause Nip was just like, it's just every time I think about it, it's just surreal. I feel mm-hmm. like I lost a cousin or right, something. Right, you know right. I mean? Like dang, like that was my brother. Like I just saw him the other day. Like <laughs> and now, yeah. I think what I remember when I heard the news, I was like, this is not real. I'm like yeah. scrolling through. It. I said, this is a joke, and yeah. y'all some dirty motherfuckers yeah. are doing this. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, and I think a lot of people are still in that space. I feel so bad for Lauren oh and his God. kids and his mom. Like, because the love that Lauren London had with like the two of them shared was so beautiful and it was something that was genuine and I think that it's important for people to see genuine love like that I'm going to go on a tangent so I'm going to pause there Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think everybody is you know kind of sitting with those same sentiments like you know, I got to do what I got to do because I got a marathon to continue. Amen. So I think that was the most. I think that was the most um, stand. Not not that it's a word, but the word that stood out in that whole sentence was genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, a lot of these celebrities that we look up to and that we value, a lot of it ain't genuine. It's not. You know what I mean? It's so just to, just to see a couple <laughs> that meant so much to the community of LA, mm-hmm. you know, the black community, the uh, hip hop community. Right, right, you know, right. what I mean, just to sever like that, it mm-hmm. sucks. So but, abrupt. Like, right. uh, like, I don't even think, I'm sure he had, you know, a plan in place, but I, mm-hmm. I'm sure he did. neither of them thought that it would be so soon because Nip hadn't even peaked yet. He wasn't yes. even close to he peaking. He wasn't close. So I think, yeah, I don't, it hurts my heart every time I think about it. I feel like they had the conversation, but mm-hmm. they just, how do you prepare for something like that? Right, because you know? it was so sudden. Yeah. And I remember when I heard that he was shot in the head, I said, that was somebody close to him. Because yeah. there's no way in hell you can get... I would think you could get that close to Nip and somebody not, you know, tackling you down or something. So it had to be somebody that he knew. Um, And then that's a whole nother, like, conversation around that, too. Um, But (laughs) back to Nip, I just think that all of us millennials, Mm -hmm. we owe him, you know. We owe him, um, you know, homage. We owe him to find our passion. Mm -hmm. We owe him, you know, so much, so much understanding. Even if you haven't listened to him, I'm sure you want it now because— somebody's going to make you listen to him. Right. Um, so I think that we, you know, we owe him. So y'all get out there, try to make an impact in some kind of way. And I think also we talk about politics or we talk about making an impact. It's so many people that are like, well, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Go outside. <laughs> Go pick up some trash. Yeah. Right? Around your neighborhood. Just even if you live in an apartment complex, you live wherever. Go outside and start picking up trash. Make it a habit. Of doing it, mm-hmm. when people see you doing it, they are less likely to throw trash on the ground and more likely to maybe possibly one day coming with you to come pick up trash. Mm-hmm. And that small, simple thing that we can do 
will change, you know, the way that, you know, you connect with your neighbor, you show appreciation for your neighborhood where you live and you're paying rent or mortgage yeah, or whatever the yeah, case may be. Yeah. Like, all these things, we can transform just the spaces that we're in. And if we get so many people transforming all these different spaces that they're in, we get, you know, a transformative, like, right, community, right. right? So start there, y'all. Y'all just be the example. And I know a lot of y'all bougie, y'all little hasa diddy, y'all in your house, y'all don't want to pick up trash, <laughs> but they don't have to be uh, picking up the trash. Just be the example in some way. Like, right. even if it's has to do with voting or getting people signed up to mm-hmm. go vote or just getting the information out there. Look what Jamie did. She, go volunteer, y'all. Exactly, somewhere. y'all. Go, like, mentor. Mentor right. people. Get out right. there. You know what I mean? Give back in some way. Don't just be satisfied with the status quo, man. Right. Do different. Be better. If you knew better, you do better. Um, Jamie. I just posted that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> just posted that yesterday. I ain't your story either, so I don't right. think I took that. <laughs> oh, what do you think I took that no, from you? But, Jamie, I appreciate you. Um, I feel like this is the this has been the most fun I've had doing the episode. Really? So shout out to right. you. No, no, no shout to anybody else. But <laughs> this has been the most fun I've had doing the episode. Um, you and Solomon, my uh, my other boy that came on here, has mm-hmm. taught me so much. Um, Gabrielle inspired me. My sister inspired me. So you guys have played a significant role in my life and I hope my listeners can take something from what yeah. you guys say and what you guys have taught us so thank you so much thanks for having me I had a good time thank you thank you thank you we'll get you back <laughs> on here again we're gonna get you back on here again okay alright okay. y'all next time on the Millennial Club <laughs>